This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, back into it again with Mike Van Solen, Adrian Batra, and Dave Sparrow. Today was a date that uh, had been circled in red on the calendar for better, for worse. number of people uh, watching the story out of Marrakesh, Morocco, where uh, Canada, amongst uh, a slew of nations, signed on to the Global Compact for Migration. Much was said about it in the uh, time leading up to this, but uh, what did they say? 164 countries out of 193 UN members approved the agreement by acclamation. It's non-binding, but it's uh, sweeping in its intention, if you will, that uh, countries will assist each other with irregular migrants. And even our own immigration minister, Ahmed Hassan, was saying that uh, one of the key benefits is the opportunity to work with source countries, sort of nip in the bud so they're not traveling over deserts and seas and so on, susceptible to smugglers and all these other human traffickers. And uh, we can do migration in a more orderly fashion rather than storming the gates as they've done on the southwest border of the United States or yeah. coming across Roxham Road here in uh, southwestern Quebec and so on and so forth. So, Mike Van Solen, I guess what I'm asking, because we've sort of uh, pounded on this all last week, will signing on to this agreement uh, help or hurt Justin Trudeau's liberals at election time, do you think? Well, I think it's the type of uh, virtue signaling and sort of globalist uh, packs that the federal liberal government loves. Uh, they obviously believe that uh, among their constituency of voters that this is something that works, and I'm sure that's why they're pressing ahead with it. But I, I just, I really just fundamentally don't understand what this pact is. I don't understand why we can't do the things that we're apparently committing to do. Like, why wouldn't the immigration minister today be able to work with source countries and make sure that uh, migration is done properly? And is it binding or isn't it binding? Uh, we have a Paris Accord uh, that the federal liberal government's apparently willing to put our economy in the ditch in order to put in place a carbon tax to fulfill the commitments of the Paris Accord, yet that's non-binding, but they're going to sign on to this 35-page thing, of which uh, I I bet most people have never seen, have read the whole text, and, and this is not supposed to be binding. Uh, so, look, to me, it sounds like uh, virtue signaling. They're going to love it on the campaign trail. I don't know what it means in fact, and they should, the things that they've committed in this thing, we should just be doing as a country anyways. Adrian, what's the political fallout here? So there is actually potential for a significant political fallout because... Even though a certain voting segment does like these very large, grand, uh, grandiose, uh, squishy UN resolutions, the actual reality on the ground is quite different. So if you don't agree with Justin Trudeau or Minister Hussein on this, you're a racist, right? Automatically. So just well, put, he said as much. Basically. Mm. Um, but what's absurd about it, the context around this um, non-binding agreement from the United Nations is to in part deal with um, the millions of fleeing out of certain parts of Euro uh, of, of Africa and, uh, and where they're going to go, be it Europe or whatever the case. Switzerland was one of the basically co-authors of this yeah. this global compact. As was Austria. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Switzerland has now decided that they will not implement this unless there's a vote in parliament. Mm -hmm. And I suspect it will get defeated in parliament. But Austria, Israel... Like there are many, many countries now that are sort of stepping back and saying, hang on a second. This is not quite what it was sold to be. And there are countries that are skipping the entire meeting in Marrakesh. But Justin Trudeau has so decided that there is, um, you know, we call it virtue signaling. Absolutely. But he has decided that this is his race based politics that he wants to place. 
to, to play. He has decided that if you don't agree with their version of what Canadian is, you are, um, you know, all the terrible things that Donald Trump is. So I don't think Canadians are going to buy it, frankly. Okay, so that's the uh, follow. By the way, uh, I hear the Belgium, Belgian government, uh, the coalition government kind of dissolved because the prime minister signed on and the opposition party was not in favor, so they yanked the plug on that. But David Sparrow, uh, is this non-binding agreement a Trojan horse? In other words, where it will actually become not binding, but uh, the intention will be an aspirational goal, you know, a stretch goal to live up to. And then suddenly, kind of like the Paris Climate Accord, you want to uh, live by those precepts, set those as your targets. And next thing you know, uh, you're bringing migrants in and nobody can say boo about it because if, as soon as, to Adrian's point, you flag it or you, you want to have a dissenting point of view, you'll be branded a racist and a bigot. Is there a danger here? Well, whether it's a Trojan horse, once you sign on to such an agreement and say that this is the kind of policy that you want to uh, follow, then I suspect that it's going to start to influence the kind of politics that you have within your own country. But all that said, you know, and I don't want to get too Game of Thrones and dystopian about this, but globalization is real. Climate change is real. And human migration is real, whether it's financial or discrimination based on religion or other things, whether it's about water or food, is that the human population is is about to experience some of the greatest migration that's ever happened in the history of the planet. And building a wall um, to the south of your border, taking on various protectionist ideals, is not going to protect us from it. We do need to start to work as a global entity and come up with ways to uh, deal with this kind of migration because people are going to be facing these challenges. And whether it's done through the UN or whether it's done in our home countries, is we have to be ready to assist people in moving around the world yeah. Yeah, but that's a big distinction. Challenges. I, I actually don't think that that's part of the argument. I think part of the issue is that we want to be able to have this globalist society. We understand it's, it's, it's beneficial, but we need to be smart about it. And I think the challenge when we get these edicts from the United Nations is they often end up going nowhere. They cost tall taxpayers around the world billions of dollars to and to what end? And all of those millions of people that should be helped don't end up getting helped in the first place. And that puts strains on our own country, in our own backyard. I'm not talking about the need to be protectionist and walls or whatever. What I'm simply saying is there's a need to be smart about this. And I do not believe that the current federal government is actually being thoughtful about it at all. They're being emotional. Well, but look, even at the numbers, a total of 164 countries among the 193 UN members approve this agreement, 85%. But... Are we going to be uh, lectured to by the likes of Saudi Arabia and these despotic... We already are. Well, no, I get that. But you know, what, well, how come in the uh, scope of the whole Syrian catastrophe, they didn't open their arms to their brethren and cistern and allow those people to come in there? Now, I get that you have sectarian differences, but I mean, for God's sake, somebody in the Middle East could have taken in their own members of the tribe, and I say right. that not in any disparaging way. So how come it then behooves uh, the nations in Europe to say, well, welcome here and we avail you of all these wonderful things. We're a compassionate lot. But man, I don't understand. They're signing on to this stuff, but they're not taking, they're not doing any of the heavy lifting. And this, I mean, this is where these problems sort of uh, arise. And we see it, we see it in, in Western nations now more and more, where you give up, you know, this is what happens, what's happening in Britain right now, where you give up your sovereignty, your ability to make decisions about your own country, who comes in, who goes out. And not that you're mean or racist as a nation, but just that you want to have the ability to make those decisions. 
Um, when you surrender that to a large body like the United Nations, uh, that's what sows the seeds of discontent. That's where Western democracies, when countries vote for real right-wing parties, when it's a reaction because they don't feel the country... Uh, the country has been able to make its own sort of smart decisions to tailor its refugee and, and migration policies to those that would work for the country, that work, that match Canadian values. Uh, I just believe uh, maintaining that level of sovereignty and self-direction is important as a nation. And that's we get lost in the heady sort of press conferences around uh, rah, 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 United Nations events, is that we just actually have to go about doing the right work of having sensible uh, immigration policy, helping for sure people uh, in in difficult situations around the world who need to find a better place to live. Uh, let's not tie the hands of future political leaders, though, to respond to whatever might be come up down the road. Let me just uh, pivot here with one last piece that uh, deals with bigotry of a stripe. Anyway, that's the accusation against Jason Kenney, who looks to be the putative next premier of the province of Alberta in May. But uh, now I guess they're digging up dirt on him and something that he said going back to the mid-80s during the AIDS epidemic that he didn't support extending hospital visitation rights to gay couples. Well, he since said he regrets that because now he's being presented with that, which, as I said earlier, may disqualify him from hosting the Oscars. Uh, <laughs> or getting a Heisman Trophy award. Yeah, that kind of stuff. So uh, let me ask you first and foremost, this sort of surfaced last week with Kevin Hart, as we know. Sparrow, you represent on actors and uh, all these fine performers and so on and so forth. I mean, when it comes to uh, some of these things that could be dredged up from their past, would that disqualify them from assuming certain roles? I think it would disqualify all of us from assuming certain <laughs> roles, including radio hosts and everybody, is that uh, we've all said stupid things. And I would put it to you that the intelligent among us, if you will, have also evolved over the decades since we said those stupid things. Goodness, I, I was a stand-up back in the 1980s, and I said a lot of, of terrible things on stages. Uh, luckily, they, they weren't recorded for posterity. But the point I'm making is that I no longer, not only do I no longer think that way, I no longer say those things because I recognize now the impact that they can have on people. And so it's not part of my thinking. It's not part of my vocabulary anymore. And I think that I'll get, even though Jason Kenney is not high on my Christmas list, I'll say that I give him the benefit of the doubt that he has changed over the last 20 years, as has Kevin Hart. And it's ridiculous that we can go back and pluck a statement out of the past and uh, burn somebody's future with it. Well, should there be a statute of limitations? I mean, who draws the line as to what the time limit is before that thing kind of uh, is absolved? Well, I'd, I'd hate to see the government entity that's the arbiter of that because that's very terrifying. Um, this is a giant nothing burger. It will go nowhere. Um, in fact, I would I would submit that Jason Kenney's plurality in the, in the May election of Alberta is going to be perhaps one of the biggest since Ralph Klein. And so this is not going to be anything. There's your right-wing populism yeah. you were speaking about, <laughs> Michael. Yeah. Uh, also Bar fact. Barack Obama used to be against gay marriage. Let's not forget that. So people's uh, thinking can evolve. There you are, right there. Uh, we know he's a darling of the left, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Thank you all. Mike Van Solen, Principal at Navigator, Adrian Batra from the Toronto Sun, Dave Sparrow, National President of ACTRA. Always enjoy the Monday panel. Look Thank forward you. to it again next week. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.